Good morning. This is Dallas Townsend with the CBS World News Roundup. The Ethics Committees of the Senate and the House hold meetings today on Capitol Hill to consider the FBI's political corruption inquiry involving eight members of Congress. The panels have been hoping to use material gathered in that probe to conduct their own investigations. But the Justice Department apparently intends to withhold the information until its own inquiry is completed. Assistant Attorney General Philip Heyman is said to have conveyed that decision last night to Senator Howell Heflin of Alabama, chairman of the Senate Ethics Committee. Heflin said this morning he is of two minds on the issue. I'm sort of torn between a lot of responsibilities and obligations. One is a senator under the atmosphere that is now hanging over the Senate. There is an obligation to clear this matter up and to clear it up immediately if we can. We got to protect individual rights. But uh, I think the American people need to have their faith restored in the American political process. Senator Heflin made those remarks on the CBS News broadcast Wednesday morning. Reports circulating in Washington say the FBI is trying to find out whether organized crime figures influenced Senator Howard Cannon of Nevada, chairman of the Senate Commerce Committee, in his handling of a trucking deregulation bill. Cannon firmly denies any wrongdoing. Representatives of the two Koreas sat down at the negotiating table at Panmunjom today for the first time in almost a year, and Donald Liu tells us they parted on a positive note. After an exchange of proposals for an eventual meeting of prime ministers, the delegates agreed to meet again on February 19th to iron out details. And the hotline between the two Korean capitals will be reopened tomorrow, for the first time in over six years. South Korean delegates were encouraged by what they called signs of North Korean flexibility, at least in tactics, if not ideology. When the North proposed the talks last month, they surprised the South by asking for these talks on the prime ministerial level. Until then, they never even acknowledged the existence of the Seoul government. But underlying these new peace moves are decades of mutual distrust, and South Korean officials still suspected the motives of the North. The two sides have yet to work out the place and agenda of the proposed high-level talks, and previous attempts have floundered on smaller obstacles. Yet the South hopes this time will be different, and of the first meeting, they can at least say it is the beginning. Donna Liu for CBS News, Seoul. Iran's new president has denounced the militants holding American hostages in Tehran. Abul Hassan Bani Sadr spoke out soon after the Minister of Information, Nasser Minachi, was arrested on the strength of allegations by the militants that he had close links with the Central Intelligence Agency. Minachi denied the charges but was taken off to prison around midnight. This morning, in a Tehran newspaper interview, Bani Sadr described the militants as dictators who have created a government within a government. They may not realize it, he added, but they're paving the way for lawlessness in Iran. No response yet from the militants. George Bush today is stumping through Massachusetts, which holds its presidential primary March 4th, one week after New Hampshire. And Richard Roth in Boston tells us how he's doing. Though yesterday was one of the campaign's biggest money days with $167,000 in contributions, and though the crowds at campaign stops in New England have been large and enthusiastic, Bush and his aides are still making an effort to act like underdogs. 
By all outward signs, the campaign runs smoothly now, but aides claim the organization is overrated. In fact, only Bush himself is willing to be publicly optimistic, and only when expressing his Republican-style politics of joy, as he did last night in Danvers. I am a fundamental optimist about the United States. I'm an idealist. I believe we can solve problems. Bush still resists the pressure, increasing now, to take the offensive against his Republican opponents. But occasionally, his people make points in subtle ways. For example, the candidate himself ducks questions on Ronald Reagan's age and fitness. But an aide, aware that today is Reagan's 69th birthday, did ask a reporter last night if he'd be interested in watching Bush jog three miles this morning. Richard Roth, CBS News, with the Bush campaign in Boston. Reagan was up across the line in New Hampshire last night, and Bill Plant reports a birthday party there. As the crowd in the Chinese restaurant sang out, a circular platform descended from its recess in the ceiling, bearing a three-tiered birthday cake decorated with red, white, and blue icing. Ronald Reagan is 69 years old today. And the party last night in Hooksett, New Hampshire, marked the fourth or fifth time he'd been reminded of it in the course of a long day's campaigning. But Reagan and his aides really don't care. Confronting the issue of the candidate's age head-on serves two purposes in the Reagan campaign. It helps to defuse the age question, and it keeps him visible at a time when he's anxious to show that he is spending much time in New Hampshire. Reagan badly needs a victory in New Hampshire, and now that he has agreed to take part in the Republican debate there, the tone of his campaign in New Hampshire has changed. There, but nowhere else, he's running against George Bush instead of Jimmy Carter and plans to spend much of his time in the state between now and the February 26th primary. Bill Plant, CBS News, with the Reagan campaign near Boston. Today, though, Reagan plans to do some campaigning in South Carolina. Three weeks from now, general elections will be held in Rhodesia, and Robin Wright reports that the election campaign has again been marked by violence. Three black men have been arrested in connection with the attack on Patriotic Front co-leader Robert Mugabe's home early this morning. Police said a grenade was thrown at the guerrilla leader's house about 3 a.m. It was blocked by a high security fence built just a few days ago, and no one was injured. Police have confirmed that the three men are members of Bishop Abel Muzurewa's party. The men apparently confessed to the attack, saying it was intended as a warning to Mugabe. In another incident, a candidate for parliament from Mugabe's party was seriously injured when two rockets and two grenades were fired at his home in Salisbury shortly after midnight. It is not yet known whether there is a connection between the two incidents. The attacks come on the day that the British governor, Lord Soames, is scheduled to introduce new laws that the government hopes will eliminate the increasing political intimidation and violence in Rhodesia. Robin Wright, CBS News, Salisbury. Today in Rome, a policeman guarding the Lebanese embassy was shot and killed by two men who escaped on a motorcycle. Police assume the crime was committed by political extremists. An attempt was made this morning on the life of the Turkish ambassador to Switzerland. He was fired on and burned and wounded, but he escaped serious injury. From Winnemac, Indiana now, Bob McNamara reports the latest on the trial of Ford Motor Company. Several times the past month, Prosecutor Michael Cosentino has failed. 
failed to get into evidence testimony and documents that might prove his claim that the Ford Motor Company built and sold the Pinto while knowing the car was unsafe. Yesterday, Cosentino put on the stand his star witness, Harley Kopp, Kopp for 30 years, a Ford employee, and for 20 of those 30 years, an executive in charge of engineering and production of scores of cars and trucks. But when Cosentino tried to lead Kopp through a book full of scripted questions, Judge Harold Staffelt ruled Kopp could not talk about the 1971 or 72 Pinto. That testimony had to stick with the 1973 Pinto, the car three girls burned to death in a year and a half ago when their Pinto was hit from behind by a van. Cosentino argued that he had to get the information into evidence about the 1971 and 72 Pinto to prove that Ford Motor Company executives knew before 1973 that the car was defective and prone to fire, but the judge said no. At one point, Cosentino bellowed in court, Ford built a bomb in 1972, and the 1973 Pinto, he said, was another one. This morning, prosecution witness Cop is expected to tell more stories about Ford executives uneasy about putting the Pinto on the market. Bob McNamara, CBS News, Winnemac, Indiana. Two members of the Bolshoi Ballet, now touring Japan, defected today, and they are now on their way to the United States to seek political asylum. They are identified as Mikhail Messerer, an occasional solo dancer with the Bolshoi, and his mother, a dance instructor. Messerer is the nephew of the world-renowned ballerina, Maya Plisetskaya. Gold is heading up toward the $700 mark again. It was fixed in London this morning at $696 an ounce, up $8 from late yesterday. The U.S. dollar is mixed on the major European exchanges. CBS News. Iran's president has attacked the militants who hold the American hostages. Good morning. This is Reed Collins reporting on the CBS radio network. The president, Bani Sadr, denounced the militants in Tehran today as dictators who have created a government within a government. Bani Sadr's attack is contained in an afternoon newspaper interview. It's his strongest language yet, referring to the militants who have now held the Americans captive for 95 days. A relative of a 20-year-old Marine who is among those 50 says letters received from him recently tell of his intentions to try to escape, a feeling that dying in the effort would be better than continued captivity. There's no indication that Bonnie Sauter's verbal attack on the militants signals any change in the hostage situation. He issued the attack after the militants had accused the Minister of Information of Iran of having had links with the CIA and the Revolutionary Guards arrested the minister without any government authorization last night. Now this. Helen, don't buy that pain reliever. Why not? They're all the same. Check the labels. Okay, uh, two tablets of regular Tylenol, 650 milligrams. Check the other pain relievers, too. Bayer, 650 milligrams. Bufflin, 650 milligrams. Anison. Oh, 800 milligrams. I didn't know Anison had more pain reliever. That's what makes Anison different. More pain reliever and a special combination of medical ingredients. I'm switching to Anison. Get the Anison difference. Use only as directed. I'm the night watchman, and every night I'd watch Mr. Miles and his old ad machine working late. But lately I haven't seen either one. Mr. Miles got himself a new printing calculator, the Canon CP-1002. Has an ad machine-like keyboard, contour to help him work faster, a long-lasting ink cartridge, even underscores totals automatically. The Canon CP-1002. It's nice for Mr. Miles. Lonesome, though. Me. One of the Canon series of printing calculators made in Costa Mesa, California. 
An international band of travelers has been rebuffed at the border of Cambodia where they'd sought permission to march in support of the refugees. Dave Hatcher reports from the scene. Only three people were allowed past the barbed wire barriers by the Thai military here, those three being a Cambodian woman, a French doctor, and the American Leo Chern, head of the International Rescue Committee. Speaking through a loudspeaker, they asked that the Cambodian authorities on the other side and their Vietnamese allies reconsider what many fear is a determined attempt to rob thousands of Cambodians of the chance to live. All the other members of the group, terming their march a march for the survival of Cambodia, sat patiently nearby and waited for the three to carry out their short speeches. Among the members of the group waiting patiently was Joan Baez, who has spearheaded the effort to reawaken what she says is falling interest around the world in the fate of Cambodians. Dave Hatcher for CBS News at the Thai-Cambodian border. The former Navy Chief Elmo Zumwalt says President Carter has decided to include women in the draft registration. Zumwalt says Mr. Carter told him of that intention last week. Taft says today thousands of Afghan rebels trained in China are being sent over the borders along with Chinese advisors. Leftists holding the Spanish embassy in San Salvador released seven hostages this morning, but continued to detain five, including the Spanish ambassador. Right-wing terrorists, meantime, have kidnapped three communist politicians, and they threaten to kill them if the leftists are not out of the Spanish embassy by tonight. 500 prisoners in the main prison in Santiago, Chile, rioted this morning after guards discovered two tunnels being dug under the walls. Passersby could hear shots being fired inside the fortress-like jail. Well, they had public prayer in Boston schools yesterday under a recently passed state law. Boston's ACLU director, John Roberts, remains opposed to it. Children are forced to leave the, the, the classroom if they don't want to participate in it. Uh, yesterday we had everything up here from, uh, from uh, Hail Mary to readings from uh, Chairman Mao. I mean, uh, uh, it, it, you know, it is coercive. There's no way to have non-denominational or to have neutral prayer. A judge entered the courtroom in Leeds, England, and a hush fell over the room. He was bareheaded, no wig. He seated himself and explained, If you wonder why I'm half-dressed, I ask anyone who knows anything about a stolen judge's wig to tell the police. Now this. It was just a homely black rock until the craftsman took up his hammer and chisel and cut away a slice from the side. And there in the heart of the stone was a beautiful likeness of a large chrysanthemum. These rare stones can only be found at one small site in Japan, where they have been officially declared a natural monument. And although this miracle rock has been in existence for some 300 million years, its rare beauty was hidden from the world until just a few years ago. So many times it seems that nature has locked her secrets away where we have to search to find them. That's why many men and women take the Dale Carnegie course. They know that deep within themselves are hidden the secrets of their true potential for greater achievement. They want to search out more of that potential and bring it to the surface so they can develop it and put it to good use. For a free brochure, call Dale Carnegie toll-free, 800-231-5800. That's Dale Carnegie toll-free, 800-231-5800. In Texas, call 800-392-2424. Gold's going up again in the afternoon London fix at $709 an ounce. In New York, gold is selling for $713. On Wall Street, the Dow Industrial Average is ahead 2.13. At 878.75, first hour volume, 13.3 million shares. Reed Collins, CBS News. News break. If the auto industry uh, sneezes, the country gets a cold. 
And if the auto industry uh, gets a serious case of the flu, it may turn into pneumonia for the country. William Burke, Ford Motors Executive Vice President. The auto industry is smiling through its sniffles this morning, however. I'm Christopher Glenn, reporting on the CBS Radio Network. New car sales figures for January are out, and they show the first encouraging signs in months for the industry on which the American economy so much depends. But is it recovery or only a remission from sagging sales? A closer look in a minute. You know, I still get a kick out of beating my brother Dave, but there's one game I can never touch him in, and that's money. Old Dave knows how to make it and how to save it. One day he says, smarten up, kid. Your savings account is insured and the interest is guaranteed, but it only pays 5.5%. Inflation is about 13%, so figure it out. You're not keeping up. Dave says, call Fidelity. Get into one of their money market funds. The yields are a lot higher than most savings plans. Fidelity gives you check writing, and there's one fund you can get into for only $1,000. Call Fidelity, Dave says. Ask for their current yields and a free prospectus. Read it carefully before you invest. My brother Dave doesn't rush into anything. You can call Fidelity toll-free at 800-225-6190. Yeah, 225-6190. The Fidelity High Yield Money Market Funds. Sometimes it's nice to have a big brother watching. The January auto sales picture in the United States finds General Motors up slightly, but sales for U.S. cars overall down by about 7.5%. That's considered good news in light of a year of months in which sales were down as much as 20% each time. Last month, imports captured fully 27% of the U.S. market, more than the combined sales of Ford, Chrysler, and American Motors. The attitudes of potential buyers at the Detroit Auto Show are typical. We're looking for a small car, economical. Good gas mileage, reasonable price, like everyone else is looking for. I'd like to buy an American car, but if I could find a better made foreign car, I'd buy it. Auto industry analyst Arvid Jopi tries to explain how Detroit got into trouble. We had this upward mobility. Everyone who had a an older car moved toward a, a better car, and everyone who had a small car moved toward a, toward a higher um, a higher price car. And Detroit, of course, was a leader in that. Maybe in France, um, cherchez la femme. In Detroit, uh, you cherchez the dollar. Former General Motors executive John DeLorean says he tried long ago to get his company into permanent production of small cars. You had gotten to a, to a point where you were striving without any essential difference mechanically or underneath the car. You were striving for cosmetic differences. I can remember the comment of one of the financial officers. He said, uh, we make uh, $1,400 of uh, profit on an Oldsmobile, and we make $100 on a small car. So why would we spend any of our resources building small cars? Detroit got scared when the trend to small cars really got in gear after the mid-'70s oil crisis. But the profit lure of the big car got production and planning of small cars off track as the gas lines disappeared. Chrysler Vice President Hal Spurlick admits the thinking was faulty. I think the company was probably a little bit slow responding to the uh, uh, changing market times. Uh, the company, I think, was damaged in the last recession and uh, just wasn't moving quick enough. Well, I can tell you one thing, we're moving quick now. Not only is Chrysler moving hard to cut in on the small car boom, the other manufacturers are as well. The action is feverish, in fact, and as Ford Vice President Burke puts it, the expectations are high, but so are the stakes. 
I think starting in 81, when the domestic manufacturers have a plethora of small, very fuel-efficient vehicles to bring to the market, and that will actually increase at about six monthly intervals thereafter, that will, will have an impact on the imports. I already do. And now, this message. I'm the night watchman, and every night I'd watch Mr. Miles and his old ad machine working late. But lately I haven't seen either one. Mr. Miles got himself a new printing calculator, the Canon CP-1002. Has an ad machine-like keyboard, contour to help him work faster, a long-lasting ink cartridge, even underscores totals automatically. The Canon CP-1002. It's nice for Mr. Miles. Lonesome, though. Me. One of the Canon series of printing calculators made in Costa Mesa, California. News break. I'm Christopher Glenn, CBS News. CBS News. President Carter reportedly wants women to register for the draft. I'm Richard C. Huttlett reporting on the CBS radio network. That word on President Carter's decision comes from former Chief of Naval Operations Admiral Elmo Zumwalt, who says he agrees with the idea. Last Thursday, President Carter told me, and today I expect him to announce, that he plans to seek authority from Congress to include women in the proposed military registration. I would support such inclusion as I would support inclusion of women in any future draft. I believe the inclusion of women in any future conscription in the face of an actual military threat to this country is inevitable, with or without the Equal Rights Amendment. Our country simply cannot afford to denigrate or ignore the skills and resources women are bringing to the all-volunteer military forces and which would be brought to the to defense of this country if necessary. Admiral Zumwalt was testifying today before a Virginia State Senate committee. At the White House, however, News Secretary Jody Powell says the president has not yet decided whether to ask for registration of women. He says there will be an announcement tomorrow or Friday. The Justice Department has refused to give Congress its evidence on alleged political corruption on Capitol Hill. In a letter read to the House Ethics Committee today, Attorney General Benjamin Civiletti asks the panel to hold off on its investigations of members. Otherwise, he says, any criminal prosecutions might be endangered and innocent people hurt. Assistant Attorney General Philip Hyman, who runs the Justice Department's criminal division, says he expects grand juries to return indictments in the case within 90 to 120 days. More news after this. You know, I still get a kick out of beating my brother Dave, but there's one game I can never touch him in, and that's money. Old Dave knows how to make it and how to save it. One day he says, smarten up, kid. Your savings account is insured and the interest is guaranteed, but it only pays 5.5%. Inflation is about 13%, so figure it out. You're not keeping up. Dave says, call Fidelity. Get into one of their money market funds. The yields are a lot higher than most savings plans. Fidelity gives you check writing, and there's one fund you can get into for only $1,000. Call Fidelity, Dave says. Ask for their current yields and a free prospectus. Read it carefully before you invest. My brother Dave doesn't rush into anything. You can call Fidelity toll-free at 800-225-6190. Yeah, 225-6190. The Fidelity High Yield Money Market Funds. Sometimes it's nice to have a big brother watching. 
President-elect Abul Hassan Bani Sadr of Iran today sharply criticized the militants who continue to hold the American hostages in the U.S. Embassy compound. He was responding to events overnight in which the radicals denounced the Minister of National Guidance as a CIA agent, causing his arrest at 2 o'clock this morning by Revolutionary Guards. Said Bani Sadr in a newspaper interview, how can one rule a country when a group behaves like a government within a government? The Soviet Union is lashing out east and west against nations that have denounced its intervention in Afghanistan. Today, the Soviet government newspaper Izvestia accused France and West Germany of acting under U.S. pressure and thereby threatening detente in Europe. In the official TASS news agency charges that Chinese advisors and instructors have crossed the border into Afghanistan together with thousands of Afghan guerrillas trained in China to fight the Afghan regime installed by the Soviet Union. Vietnam today accused China and the United States of trying to create a climate of confrontation between Vietnam and Thailand as a pretext for deeper involvement in Southeast Asia. Hanoi Radio says that Washington and Peking claim that a Vietnamese invasion of Thailand is imminent and they're trying to make the situation in Southeast Asia more serious. Says Hanoi Radio they're doing this to divert attention from what it called an increased U.S. supply of weapons and military personnel to Thailand. Stocks and other news after this. Arkwright Boston, a most unusual insurance company, wants you to consider this. Americans thrive on risk. It's part of our national character. The people who opened the frontier were risk takers. So were those who put a man on the moon. In fact, risk is so American, people who avoid it are a little suspect. But there is a kind of risk you should avoid. The kind that destroys, not invigorates. Such as fire, flood, explosion. As one of America's largest industrial property insurers, Arkwright Boston is firmly committed to combating catastrophic loss. That's why we reward clients who lower their risk potential with lowered premiums. And why this year alone, in conjunction with the factory mutual system, Arkwright Boston will spend more than $66 million searching for ways to minimize this problem. It seems like a lot of money, but that's a risk we're willing to take. Arkwright Boston. We do it better because we do it right. In Santiago, Chile, some 500 inmates have taken over one section of the city's main prison. Heavy gunfire has been heard inside and police have cordoned off the area. Chile's government-controlled news agency says the prisoners began rioting after guards discovered two escape tunnels. On Wall Street at this hour, the Dow Jones average is down 3.58. Volume on the big board, a heavy 23,300,000 shares. The Dow Jones industrial average stands now at 873.04. Richard C. Hotelet, CBS News.